You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Finally here on a game day. The Bucks are going to be back in action tonight. They're going to take on the Chicago Bulls. It feels like a long, long time since the Bucks played. And if your life generally revolves around the Bucks schedule, as mine tends to, this has been a weird week. So the Bucks will play again tonight. Against the Chicago Bulls, they will be without Chris Middleton. We already spoke about that at length earlier in the week, three to four weeks for Chris Middleton on the sidelines with that thigh contusion. And just a little bit of an update from the Bucks this morning at practice. Uh, just a little bit of an update from yesterday's practice where the Bucks were asked about, uh, you know, what's, what are they going to do without Chris Middleton? And to absolutely no one's surprise, it's business as usual. Uh, this offense, as we've seen, uh, ever since Mike Budenholzer came in and took over the team, has been equal opportunity. Giannis is the focal point. Everyone else fits in, takes the shots that come to them, and generally try and play unselfish basketball. That's going to be the case here. But me and Frank did go in-depth on who we thought could come into the starting lineup. We've got a, com- a quote here from Mike Budenholzer uh, that I've got from Matt Velasquez's article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in regards to who may come in uh, to the starting lineup or the rotation in general. And Bud said, they've been hungry with Chris healthy, so maybe they're seeing some food on the plate. I think Dante and Sterling and Pat, those guys have had, uh, those guys have kind of mixed and matched a little bit. And so again, we just want them to go play, be themselves and not try to do anything uh, different. So, you know, again, as I said, nothing was specifically mentioned in terms of who might come into this starting lineup, but those were the three guys that were mentioned. And if you did catch me and Frank talking about this, we were both uh, in agreement that we think that Sterling was going to start. I did throw in Pat there uh, as a guy that I, I believe could be the secondary option, mostly because when you look at those two guys, they're the two guys that have started uh, replacing injured players uh, since Bud has taken over. They both have experience with uh, the rest of the starting group. So we'll wait and see. And, and Dante potentially is, is a little wild card there so that, that might come in to start. Although uh, I do believe that he is probably best suited to that uh, to that bench role. Uh, that spark plug bench role off the bench that we've seen him do so well uh, this last week or so. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the most notable thing to come out of practice that it looks like the Bucks might go small. We did speak in depth about Ursan and the possibility of him coming in and the Bucks going with the with the big starting lineup. But uh, as I said, we'll wait and see what happens to start this game against Chicago. But at this point, the hint we have 
is the Bucks might go small, which I think is going to be fun. Let's see Sterling or Dante, if you ask me. Let's get these guys some some real minutes and let's see what they got uh, in in an extended starting role that that these guys are going to get over the next few weeks. So. Just one other note, you guys might have seen on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, that I mentioned it is one month since I t- have taken over the podcast from uh, Eric and join and join Frank. And uh, just, yeah, again, it, it staggers me every day when I look at the numbers, when I, when I publish these podcasts and, and get the stats for the, for the daily downloads. It's, uh, it's incredible the support this podcast has. The credit for that has to go to Eric and Frank of what they've been able to build over uh, the last three years or so. And, and hopefully, uh, it keeps continues being the best bucks podcast out there on on the market. It's uh, it's a whole lot of fun for me. It's a new experience for me. I've said this a number of times, but hosting a podcast is or any type of show like this is not something I have much experience with. So I'm learning, but uh, I just want to share you guys out for listening. I really appreciate the support, and it is going to be a big part of me hopefully getting back to Milwaukee this season in the next month or so hopefully i have my fingers crossed i'm working on a few things so um just yeah again i really appreciate the support send me any feedback any tips any ideas you you want to hear from the show and let's make this thing uh the best thing it can be but for today i know you guys caught the front end of the chat with lee alice yesterday which was more about his story and we've got through that and now we're going to go more into basketball, more Bucks-related stuff, more NBA-related stuff. And while we have this one last day of sort of quiet time with the Bucks, I'm going to take this uh, opportunity to give you the second half of my chat with Lee. And we're going to kick things off looking at a couple of the Bucks' rivals in the East, starting with what everyone thought was the number one team to contend with the Bucks in the East. I think the Sixers have a problem. We're going to get things started there. Touch on a couple of teams from from the East. The Sixers. I just want to ask you about the Sixers here because I think before the season, and you already mentioned that the Celtics and the Raptors are, have surprised early, and they've been they look really good. But the Sixers, I think, were the team that most people put up on the top tier with the Bucks. I'm watching the Sixers this year. They're as good defensively as what you thought they were going to be. They're probably still working through some things offensively, but because I've got the rare opportunity to speak to an Aussie, <laughs> I mean, where's Ben Simmons at? Because I think like he's a very good player and he's going to be a multiple time all-star at the moment. And I'm not surprised by this. Like everyone wants to talk about the shot and, and we talk about this with Giannis a lot, but Ben Simmons is, is years away from being a comfortable outside shooter in the NBA. If he even ever gets there. But to this point before today, he's only taken two shots outside the key. Clearly had the shoulder injury. Is this, does this limit the, the Sixers' offense, even though we know how good they're going to be defensively? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Ben Simmons for me is he's a very, very good player, as you mentioned there. But the, the big weakness is that he hasn't really grown or improved yeah. in, in the last, you know, this year, between from his rookie season from, to, to last season to where he is now. He's still a very good player, putting up good numbers. But all the really elite superstars always add something to their game. And the fact that Simmons in now, you know, his third season, he still hasn't shown any significant improvement in any form of a jump shot, I think has got to be a concern. Because this guy's Tony Parker, when he came over from, from uh, France, San Antonio, he couldn't shoot. Um, Derek Rose couldn't shoot. Chris Paul couldn't shoot. 
you know, a lot of guys, it takes a lot of years for them to be able to, to figure out how to shoot in the NBA. But those guys that I mentioned did figure it out and they got uh, to a point where they can shoot the ball consistently and reliably. But right now, Simmons, it's almost like he doesn't, you know, he's not even trying to learn. He, does, he doesn't. We saw all those summer workout videos of the yes. hitting threes in the gym. And it's like, what's the point of that? What does that show me? That doesn't show me anything. Um, Tristan Thompson hit two threes for the Cavs tonight. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons, I mean, teams are just going to say, you know what? Shoot it all you want then. That, and, and that's, that's going to be a, a big thing for the Sixers to overcome. We know he's incredibly athletic. He's a big guy. He's 6'10". He's a point guard. And he can get inside and he's got those little floaters great but as you get older and your athleticism you know you're not quite as explosive and you're not quite as powerful you have to have something to fall back on and right now it's there's no sign there's no indication that he's even working towards that and that that's got to be concerned the, the funny thing about the 76ers is they've got incredible defensive players on their roster with Embiid and Horford and Josh Richardson and Simmons himself is great they've got a lot of length and a lot of guys who can challenge and contest shots but offensively I still find, and I don't know what the Sixers are going to do long-term, but when Simmons and Embiid are on the court, and look, they're 7-3 and three so far. Things are going well for Philadelphia. But when they're both on the court together, I just feel it's too congested there. And, and at some point, they have to figure out a way to, to almost stagger their minutes so that one's on the court while the other one's resting and vice versa. Because I just feel that sometimes Simmons gets stuck in the paint and Embiid's trying to you know, out-muscle two or three guys. Or, you know, Embiid's got the ball on the perimeter and Simmons is just sort of standing around because he's not able to uh, spread the floor and open it up and, and give Embiid some areas to work because whoever's playing on Simmons can sort of just cheat a little and wait in the paint. And, um, and that, to me, is, is a problem that Brett Brown uh, has to figure out on Elton Brand. When you've got two superstars like this and they're both around the same age and they've got, you know, you can sort of see them playing together for 10 years, you want to keep them together. But at some point, if it doesn't work or, or you just you run into these problems where they just don't work all that well together, then you have to move on in, in some way. And one of them may have to take off because they both got huge contract extensions. So they've both got big, big bucks. They both attract a fortune in the, tra- in the trade uh, market. But, um, you know, the Sixers, I think, are reluctant to give up on one of them right now. But um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm more disappointed for, for Ben that he hasn't shown that he can really, that, he, that he's like, okay, he doesn't have to be Steph Curry. No one's expecting that. But you look at a guy like Jason Kidd, for example, who, who came into the league, he was known as Ace and Kidd because he had no J. <laughs> well, I think when, when he retired, I think he had the third most three-pointers made yeah. at the time in NBA history. Now he's probably 10th on the list now. Um, but the point is, he at least figured out a way to, to be effective still shooting three-pointers. And if Ben Simmons could just do that, imagine, I mean, imagine he could shoot two, three pointers a game right now, every game for Philadelphia. Just imagine how much that would change things for them. Um, so that, that, that's the, that's the area of concern that, um, that Ben hasn't, you know, he had an incredible rookie season and we're like, Oh my God, this guy, he's going to be great. And he was an all-star. He was going to, he was an all-star last year. Oh, and he's going to be an all-star again. Uh, he's going to be an all-star again, um, you know, a lot of times throughout his career. But uh, he, he's, you know, until he can show that he can shoot the ball and, and step into shots and knock them down, teams are just going to more and more challenge him to do that. 
And, uh, and if he's un unable to meet that challenge, then it, it's a problem for Philadelphia, I think. And um, it's funny because last year against the Brooklyn Nets, Embiid missed a game. I think it was game three. And Ben Simmons just destroyed Brooklyn yeah. in Brooklyn. And it was like when he's not with Embiid and, and he's surrounded by shooters and he's got the ball and he can uh, you know, run at a high pace and he can get out in the open uh, transition, he's very, very hard to stop. But if you slow the game down in, into a half-court game, then all of a sudden his options are limited, and um, and that that's uh, that's that's the real challenge. And and again, he's in his third year. We saw all those workout videos, and you're like, okay, well, let's see it. Let, let's see what happens when the season starts. And unfortunately, nothing really has changed. Yeah, you just the summer workout videos can never be trusted. But I I think it's interesting though because. You, you touched on it that he's he's not willing to shoot them, and, and I think that's that's a big thing, and that shows you how far away he is from probably even looking to take that step. Because uh, when we look at Giannis, and clearly Giannis has, has always shown the, I guess he hasn't had the fear of missing, and he's getting up nearly four threes a game this year, uh, and you know, now he's starting to see the results. But I've got a couple more to wrap it up, and before we wrap this up, and you, you mentioned the Raptors. I don't know if you saw this tweet. It was an interesting tweet that made some Raptors fans a little bit angry last <laughs> night Yeah. Uh, from Chris Herring. Uh, it says, when I watch the Raptors, I can't help but think about how certain teams would benefit by sending their players into Toronto's program to be developed for a year or two, then get sent back to their original teams. Now, this, <laughs> this is a wild idea, okay, first of all. But it's interesting. And the point yeah. I want to get from this is, when I look at a franchise like the Knicks, and, and a player that I think of straight away is Frank Nilakina, right? I mean, he, he's, he's a disaster in the Knicks system. What does he look like if he goes to a well-run franchise that actually develops players? Phoenix on the other side is, you, you see that now, that they're playing pretty good basketball and they bring in a couple of veterans that are known to be decent people, decent locker room people, Aaron Baines and, yeah. and Ricky Rubio as well. The Knicks bring in Bobby Portis who you know, punches up his teammates and, and, and one of the Morris twins, I mean... Yeah. I just, it, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it, it should be a flattering thing. You yeah. Know, you, you, you should go, oh, that's really nice of you to say, but it, it sounds more disrespectful in the <laughs> sense that you're saying go to Toronto, but then, you know, leave. That's, yeah. Come, come back to Phoenix or New York. But the thing is, I think, you know, those two teams you talked about, for example, the Knicks have been a disaster for so long. And I think the, the level of pressure on anybody who goes into that organization is just, sky high immediately and they can't get out of their own way i mean we're already seeing speculation about david fisdale who who may or may not get fired from his position um and and this would be only you know his second season why would you ever take that job by the way well <laughs> i mean the thing is again yeah like what, look at the players look at the roster it's an awful awful roster i mean the knicks uh, steve mills the gm came out the other day and said you know he he believes he built a roster that was going to be successful and it's like who who thought it was going to be successful? <laughs> who, who looked at the Knicks this season and thought they were going to be any more than a you know, 2025 win team? Nobody. Nobody thought that at all. And so David Fisdale, I mean, a coach, uh, coaching is one of those very weird things in the NBA. If you've got talent, then you, you know, you have more chance of being successful. It wouldn't matter if Greg Popovich was coaching the Knicks right now. Maybe they win a handful more games. Probably not, though, because there's just not the talent there, and it's not not a good. There's no balance on that roster. It's um, it's it's a weird, weird makeup of a roster. 
But then the other team you talk about there, the Phoenix Suns, well, they've been a disaster themselves for a good five or six years. Yep. But this year, finally, things have gotten uh, better and they've got a good uh, coach there in, in Monty Williams. And you've got some veterans like Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio who, who played in the uh, World Cup this year. And both of those guys, I mean, I absolutely love Aaron Baines because he is the true definition of a veteran who sacrifices his body. He never complains about his minutes or his role. He goes out there and works his ass off at both ends of the floor, defensively and offensively. And, and we were talking about Ben Simmons with no jump shot. Well, look at Aaron Baines now. Yeah. Down threes with a very, very uh, strong consistency. I mean, he, he's just fantastic that he's shown, he, he's read the game, he understands. If you want to be out on the floor, you need to be able to do more than just one thing. And Aaron Baines has become a very, very reliable and dependable three-point shooter for the uh, Sun. It's not the prettiest shot in the world, but it doesn't matter because it goes in. And he also understands that he ne- his team needs him to be able to do that. And, and he's doing it. And then defensively, I mean, it's funny, you know this probably as well as anyone. Whenever uh, Giannis goes up against Aaron Baines, Baines ends up on his backside <laughs> several times because Giannis tries to dunk on him. But Baines never backs down. He's never worried about a viral moment or people saying, oh man, this guy's getting, trying to get, you know, Giannis is trying to end his life. And in fact, uh, there was a game against the Heat last week where Derek Jones tried to dunk on Baines a couple of times and Baines ended up on his back. Um, and because again, that's what he does. He, his role on the team is to, you know, sacrifice and to be a great player, like defensively, great rotation player, role player, set screens. And when you get the ball and you're on the three point line, you're open, knock it in. And that's what he's doing. But, but, but those franchises have been, uh, you know, historically bad, while the Raptors, on the other hand, have been such a, such a model franchise over these last few years because they've had a guy like Masai Ujiri who treats his players with respect and dignity. Um, and he goes out there and he puts together a roster and he, he's got a great coaching staff there. Um, Dwayne Casey was, was coach of the year and he got fired. He had plenty of opportunity there to turn things around in Toronto, but there was none of that backstabbing and sniping or, or anything like that. It was just, uh, you know, Masai Ujiri created a culture where people could succeed. And right now for a team like the Knicks, I just, I just don't see how they're going to turn things around there because, uh, the, you know, the owner, James Dolan, has been there far too long. And then you've had Steve Mills, who's, who's I think, presided over uh, five coaches himself. They've got a terrible record since he's been there. I mean, at some point, you, can't, you, you can keep firing coaches all you want, but if you're the guy hiring them uh, and bringing them in, then at some point, you know, the, the, the firing is going to be turned around on you. Yeah, and no, I don't think it's a surprise that when you look at, and first of all, I mean, two, two guys that are, yeah, interesting characters in the locker room, I would say, from what we know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie. But it's not surprising that if you're going to get a marquee free agent go to New York, that they would choose the Nets over the Knicks right now. I mean, it's hard to even imagine a player thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to the Knicks and turn it around because it's not going to happen. But Yeah, I mean, and, and Kevin Durant kind of said, like, you know, he's like, I didn't even really think about the Knicks, which is, <laughs> which is awful because... To Stephen you know, A's, you know, uh, yeah. Despair. I mean, you know, for me, like if you said to me which team, you know, if I could play in the NBA when I was a kid, who do I want to play for? It would have been the Lakers or the Knicks, you know, yeah. just because it's like they're the, they're the two marquee teams. But now it's gotten so far. I mean, the Lakers are obviously uh, having a, a resurgence right now this season. But, um, you know, the Knicks, I think people see what happens. And uh, Porzingis, for example, a great, great example here. 
They drafted Porzingis. They took a flyer a little bit on him because there's always a little bit of uh, a risk when you take a guy, a young guy from, you know, Europe. There's always that sort of stigma like, they either expect you to be Dirk or you're going to be Andrea Bagnani. You know, there's no sort of middle ground there. Uh, but Porzingis was playing well. He was an all-star just before he got his, uh, he blew out his knee there. And then somehow him not even playing and he says, I don't want to be a part of this. And they <laughs> trade him for pennies on the dollar. And, uh, and you look at the Knicks now and it's like they've got Dennis Smith who, who, who you know, he's, had, he's been dealing with a family issue right now. But even when he was playing, things weren't going all that well. And, uh, the Knicks just—they just seem to sort of make the same mistakes year in and year out, and uh, and, and until uh, I think until something happens at the top with the ownership, uh, it's very hard to see how this this franchise just miraculously turns things around. Attention, past, present, and future my bookie players. During Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got an extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My bookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. And my personal uh, little tip here is Never bet on Mitchell Trubisky, okay, guys? <laughs> I don't think you need that tip, but I needed to throw that in there. Just log into mybookie.ag, make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of that risk-free bet that I already mentioned. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Log on to mybookie.ag with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of this ridiculous offer. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. To get away from talking about the disappointing franchises of the NBA... I want to wrap it up with a fun one. And this again, I don't know whether this came from me listening to No Dunks or Not. It was a few weeks ago. I, don't, I think uh, it might have been Skeetsy that was talking about the disappointing in-game uh, entertainment from the Denver Nuggets. Is that, <laughs> do you, I, because, uh, was that right? Well, well, well which one are you talking about? Because I think it was in Milwaukee where they had the, the reverse cam, the snack wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I'm not a fan of that one. I will... Um, yeah. I'll say that. But yeah, he there was some stuff going on with, with the Nuggets. And then and I, obviously with League Pass, it's one of the, the, I don't know, one of the good things about League Pass. You get to see the uh, entertainment during timeouts. And I, I don't know whether I'm asking the wrong guy here with your free throw uh, you know, <laughs> experience, expertise. I don't, know, I don't know what you want to call it. But the Bucks do, and they're not the only ones. There's a bunch of teams that do the, the standard free throw, three-point shot, or half-court, half-court shot for... Right. For money, and it was—I think it was the day after I heard right. you guys talking about Denver, and there was a guy in the Bucks crowd that chose the free throw and then missed. So it was five hundred dollars for a free throw. He missed, and the in-court uh, announcer Mal sort of let out a, "Ooh, he chose the half, uh, the free throw. I missed. Yikes!" And it made me think about it a little bit because 
I don't think that, well, first of all, I want to ask you first, what, if you get that situation, what are you, what are you going? It's 500, I think it's 500, 1,000 and 5,000. Uh, so 500 for a free throw, 1,000 yeah. for a three or 5,000 for half court. It may be 2,500. I know that's a big difference. So I'm not making this um, easy on you here, but yeah, it's 5,000 for the half court, 500 for a free throw. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, well, well, the free throw. Um, yeah, I, I would take the free throw. I mean, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, for, for I mean, the thing is, those half court shots. I mean, like we've we tried them at Vegas Summer League in for five years. We couldn't make one. That was uh, four of us going up. We had, well, I think, fifty shots, and we couldn't make one. Um, but for all for all the, the you know times I talk about free throws, I think uh, if I got up there and I missed a free throw, I'd. Uh, I'd I mean, it was funny. We had there was a during the finals last year, there was a uh, there was a, a media game, and I got a free throw and I missed it, and uh, it was uh, you know it was pretty embarrassing. So um, you know if if I got the chance, I'd feel pretty confident that I could step up and at least pocket you know five hundred bucks rather than uh, try to try to get the half court shot. I mean, obviously you make more money, but uh, but uh, the the chances of putting it in are so much so much. Uh, less for me that uh, I think I'd rather just take the smaller money and feel a little bit more confident that I'd knock it in. Yeah. Maybe it's like, maybe I'm just weak and with peer pressure. And my, my thing with the free throw is that it's a, it's a lose lose situation because I mean, not for you personally. I mean, if you pocket $500 and that's a win for you, but from the crowd's perspective, I mean, no one, like you have to, first of all, I'm not sure how many people that do that are used to shooting a free throw in front of a, a packed NBA arena. So there's a bit of yeah. pressure involved there. And secondly, even if you make it, like no one really cares. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, you chose right. the free throw. We don't yeah, like yeah, you yeah. anyway. And if you miss it, you look silly. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. The, the, the making a free throw is never going to make house of highlights or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, if you knock in the half quarter and then you have a crazy celebration and maybe one of the uh, players comes over and daps you up or something, then you know people are going to see it. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. It's just uh, you know, I, and it's funny because I've I've been to uh, quite a few NBA games and they always have the half court shot. I'm pretty sure I've never seen anyone make it either. Um, so you know, again, that the, the chances of you actually knocking that in are so so remote that um, you know, I just uh, I just I just don't think it's worth it when you know there's 500 bucks just sitting there ready for you to take it. You know, you you you, you want to put the money ahead of uh, the viral moment that you might, you know, unlikely, but you might be able to grab. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very responsible answer, Lee, and it makes it makes it makes a lot of sense. I just I, I feel like it, in the moment, yeah, the pressure would get to me, and I would I would be like, I'm I'm I don't really trust myself to make this free throw anyway in front of a bunch of people. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know what. I'm not a gambling man, but I would have put money on on, on you saying the free throw. Uh, yeah, and I think you have to stay on brand a little bit. Yeah, you do. You totally do. You totally do. But also, I think I'm coming at you as well from a going back to where we started as a family man and a uh, giant. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a you know bit of a mortgage payment there, and uh, I know that if I came home and just said to my wife, "I hey, listen, I won five hundred bucks," <laughs> uh, she wouldn't she wouldn't say, "Well, could you have won two and a half thousand? She would just go, "Oh, great," you know. So. Um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the angle I'm coming from. Yeah, no, it does make a lot of sense. But uh, I, I've, I've actually been waiting. I, I, was, I had that one locked away um, until I was going to get you on to, to, to ask you that after listening to that uh, No Dunks. But I don't know. I think, I think we've, we've got to the end here. Have you got any, any other random 
topics you want to bring no, up before we wrap no. this up? No, it's. I, I mean, I, I know I've said to you and Ben, uh, you know, privately, like I, I admire the, the fact that both of you guys came over and, you know, on your own dime, covered the teams and did a great job, did a fantastic job, uh, both of you guys. And so I, I hope the best for you and I hope that uh, you are over here again soon and uh, you can, you know, stay stay for a little bit longer as long as you as long as you can keep on enjoying it because it's a, it's a great experience and great opportunity and um you know i think it's really important that you guys put your own spin on it as well like you've got that connection to milwaukee because that's the you know you mentioned there the game that you first watched as a kid and um so it's great for you that you're covering them while they're having such a a great run i mean i'm sure a few people have accused you for for jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> but uh, uh that's 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 a sign of respect at least anyway so um, you know, I, I'm happy for you guys and I really do. I hope you can get over here because the more Australian voices we have covering the NBA, the better. I think uh, the thing about the NBA of all the American sports anyway, you know, in my experience, it's easily the most global game. And, uh, and that, that's what I love about it is that uh, you can go anywhere and people talk about Steph and LeBron and, you know, now Giannis. And, and um, I think that just, that's what makes it the game so great. Like when we were in Australia, you know, slightly different rules and a few differences, but the actual fundamentals of what the game is is great and we can all enjoy it. And, uh, and there's so many um, great stories that come out of it. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, we'll, we'll see you guys over here, maybe, uh, maybe for Chicago for the All-Star Weekend. Um, but, um, you know, I know, it's, uh, I know there's a few things that have to sort of fall into place for, for you guys to come over here, but... Um, you know, we're all we're all pulling for you. We're all cheering for you, and uh, and hopefully it'll work out. No, I appreciate that. I always appreciate your support. And yeah, the the All Star Weekend was a bit of fun last year. It's just up the road from Milwaukee, so <laughs> yeah. if I manage to if I manage to get over there, I'll be I'll be hanging around All Star Weekend again. And then, oh, maybe maybe the 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 flights can can stay booked to to Milwaukee uh, this year in in June, but. Seriously though, I do really appreciate it. I know you are um, flat out with the with no dunks that has has just sort of tipped off at the start of the season. Um, it's yeah, I mean, like I sort of said before we started recording, it's nothing new for you guys. You guys obviously have worked together for a long time, but it's a it's a great show. And and um, uh, as I say with everyone that comes on here, I'm probably not going to rule out sending you a text or or a DM at some point during the season to jump back on. But I, I really Yeah man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm always happy to help out and support. Uh, you know, I know what I know what it's like when you're trying to you know, you're trying to break in and try to um, keep things up. You need you need help and support. So I'm I'm always happy to help out you guys and um, you know always happy to talk basketball, that's for sure. All right, we are gonna wrap it up there for a Thursday a Bucks game day, as I mentioned. The Bucks will be in action tonight against the Chicago Bulls. It's a 7 p.m. tip-off at Fiserv 4 on the Bucks, looking to move to 8-3 and three on the season. And just keep pace with the Celtics, who continue to win at the top of the conference right now. Hopefully you enjoyed the both episodes with, with Lee. Uh, I'm going to continue to work on guests. I've just locked in this morning, actually, a guest that... <laughs> I'm very, very excited uh, about. Uh, he's someone that's got uh, great history with the Bucks as a player and uh, is very well recognizable now with the modern-day Bucks as well. I'm very excited to lock in that chat in the coming week or so. So keep your ears and eyes out for that one. But 
as always thank you for listening like i said the bucks back in action against the chicago bulls tonight i'll be back tomorrow to wrap that up until then we'll speak to you tomorrow